Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petucci. And And this this is The Science of Motherhood. Motherhood. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Science of Motherhood. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Dr. Renee White. When I'm not sitting in front of the microphone, I am out looking after the mamas of Melbourne in our postpartum doula biz, fill your cup. Today, oh boy, oh boy, it is going to be a dynamite show. These girls, Elise and Katie from Your Two Jugs, are just the funniest gals. I loved this interview. These girls on the cutting edge, they are osteopaths by trade, but they are one of a very small handful of osteopaths who actually specialize in boobies. So all things block ducts, mastitis, you are going to be hearing about all of those fun and exciting things that mamas go through. They caught my eye initially through social media when I saw them advertising their very funnily named programs. We've got Boobology, Boob Hero Course and Blooming Boob. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. And what you'll hear in this episode is Elise and Katie talking about their practice, how they actively treat breastfeeding women and have done for the past six years. And it wasn't until, you know, lockdown 2020, they launched their company, your two jugs to educate more women about breastfeeding conditions. And so I guess this is what spurred on their online video course, Boobology, and it is jam-packed full of education and hands-on techniques to teach women the do's and don'ts when it comes to mastitis, block ducts, engorgement, and more importantly, preventative strategies for long-term breastfeeding bliss and Some listeners will recall from my episode with Dr. Pamela Douglas, over 90% of women going into their postpartum have and want to breastfeed, exclusively breastfeed. But around that 16-week mark, only about 34% of mamas are exclusively breastfeeding. And so I'm a huge advocate for having all the tools and education that us mamas can get in our toolkits. And these girls are just amazing. So I really hope that you get some value out of this episode in terms of understanding what causes mastitis, things that you can do to kind of help your journey along the way in prevention. And unfortunately, if you do experience a bout of mastitis, understanding your options as well. We spoke quite in detail about that. So I'm going to stop talking. (laughs) And here is Elise and Katie from Your Two Jugs. 
Hello and welcome to the podcast, Elise and Katie from Your Two Jugs. Hey, girl. Hi. How are you? Good, good, good. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on here. I feel like you ladies are kind of on the same vein as us. Like we fill your cup. It's nice and playful. And I'm loving just the Your Two Jugs thing. Who came up with that name? Or was it collective? Uh, with some of it last year and we actually came up with two jugs and yeah, unfortunately right. <laughs> on Instagram when you try and get a handle a jug is a Jack Russell jug <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so they were, we were so, looking up all the all the content on what like two, two jugs, jugs. <laughs> and then there were all these like two dogs two sets of puppies and we're like no, no. So we added your and okay. we were able to do that. So it worked. I have a pug. Yeah. I did not realize that people were breeding pugs with Jack Russell. With Jack Russell. That would be a yeah, very. A can I just say, <laughs> pugs are full on as it is. I would not want to be mixing the DNA with a Jack Russell. No thanks. Wow. Okay. No. There we go. You've learned something um, already, listeners. I love it. So <laughs> you girls are both osteopaths. Let's hear from the two of you how did you transition from you know just being osteopaths I guess and probably start with what is an osteopath because I you know not everyone knows what that specialization is and how did you I guess then narrow in on working with the mummers and the jugs well we'll start with um what, what an osteopath is I guess we're manual therapists we treat the musculoskeletal system, your, your injuries like low back pain, neck pain, that sort of thing, elbows, knees, headaches, headaches, headaches. yeah, like any All sports of that. injuries or aches and pains that people get. Our, yeah, our philosophy is generally very holistic. We think about the entire body when we are treating, so it doesn't matter if you have, say, a shoulder injury, we will consider the entire body and how that is connected and how that will potentially impact your function. And I think that is pretty much the basic. Yeah, of what, yeah. We'll keep it pretty simple. So, and that and that comes from like all different techniques, whether it's soft tissue in terms of types of massage, releasing tissues, balancing tissues. Some osteopaths use manipulative therapies as well, which which is something that we use in our clinic. So there's lots of different types of techniques that we can do to work on different tissues. Mm. So that 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 had been something that we'd done for. For, well, for me, for years, and when when we started the mastitis side of things, it was actually from a conversation. I was actually contacting lactation consultants talking about different things, and I had one that I ended up speaking to, and she found out we had ultrasound machines in our in our clinic, therapeutic ultrasound, which is not super common at all for an osteopath. And she just asked, she's like, oh my goodness, do you treat mastitis? And about three years prior to that, or two years prior, I'd had a shocking, shocking bout of mastitis for nearly a week. I was ter- terribly sick. And then I had another bout as well. So when she said that, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because, I, I mean, I could have treated myself, but I didn't, I didn't even know I could. <laughs> could have could have, uh, could have, been really useful at the time. <laughs> yeah, really useful to have the knowledge. So having, having heard her say that, we just started looking into it and looking into why people would use ultrasound for something like mastitis and started looking at 
the process that is mastitis in from a body process from physiology and also looking at the anatomy and how that integrates together to cause problems so that that's kind of where it started just with ultrasound and one of the things we noticed was that I mean ultrasound doesn't take that long yeah and so 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 we're like you know how do we we want to work more with this so we started feeling around and having a feel of what because obviously you need to to assess the tissue first to see where the problem is then use the ultrasound but obviously our world of musculoskeletal medicine is set up to use our hands and so we just then transferred that to feeling what breast tissue is like and started building a library of how things should or shouldn't feel I love that I love that because, yeah, that's interesting with the ultrasound thing. As you said, it doesn't take very long. And also I know from experience I I had – I was quite fortunate. I only had one bout of mastitis. But at the time I was thinking, oh, do I really want to take the antibiotics? Because, you know, I was a bit, oh, you know, is that going to pass through to my baby? And I know friends of mine have had really bad bouts of mastitis and they've they've specifically not taken antibiotics because they're worried it's going to pass through to the baby. And something as, you know, arguments like not as invasive and, as you say, quick that can help with that is, is a great thing. Okay, so let's – now that we're on the topic of mastitis, can you run through the physiology of it? What – is mastitis and there's from my you know desktop research there are a few different forms as well so yeah and that's and that kind of weaves into that mastitis uh, sorry that antibiotics conversation as well when it's appropriate and when it's not there are two types of mastitis there's an inflammatory uh, beginning and then there's an, uh, an infectious bacterial infection and the tricky part of that is that they typically present mm. the same so it's hard to know, is it inflammatory, is it a bacterial infection? And that's where the whole antibiotics thing stems from as well because that medically is protocol to treat. Um, yeah, so with the inflammatory, pretty much people think that if they get a fever or if they get the aches and pains or the chills like the fever sweats mm. types things, lots of people think that that automatically means you have an infection and it's just mm. not true. The, it's the chemistry, I actually did a reel on Instagram about this, it's, it's the chemistry that is in the inflammatory process that creates those symptoms. Mm. And so that's not to say you don't need antibiotics, it's just to get people to think about, one, not being so fearful if they do get mastitis, that this doesn't automatically mean you have an infection. And our rule of, the way we work out which is which and the way we guide women to know whether they need or whether they should investigate whether antibiotics are useful is that if they're not really, if you you start on your unfortunate path of mastitis and then if after 24 to 48 hours you're getting no progress of getting better and that doesn't mean that every every symptom has to improve but that you're getting progress with some of your symptoms. So maybe your fevers are breaking, maybe the aches and pains are settling, maybe the breast pain is settling, maybe the redness is starting to just dissipate a little. You're likely to have an inflammatory case of mastitis. But if you're getting worse or if you're sick, sick, like fainting, vomiting, that sort of illness, 
then you really should seek further care from, from a GP or your medical professionals to potentially just get, get some further information and see what their opinion of that situation is. Yeah, 100%. Because, yeah, lots of people, they just have the inflammatory one, but everyone just, I mean, we get we see a lot more than that in terms of even mm-hmm. blocked ducts that come in and they're already on antibiotics, but they have no symptoms, not even of inflammatory, not even of mastitis. But, mm. but unfortunately, women, there's a lot of fear and anxiety and a lot of medicos that actually don't have this little headspace of what we have in terms of making sense of the symptoms and where they all fit in the puzzle so it it can be a little bit of a difficult thing so yeah that's how that's how we sort of gauge it with with mastitis in terms of antibiotics or not And, and so when we're talking about the inflammation or infection what what is actually it's it's the breast tissue yeah typically so when we're talking about the inflammation side of things what typically happens is in your breast milk there are anti-inflammatory markers and inflammatory markers and the anti-inflammatory markers are passed on to baby this is a good thing this is what we want and there are times where the milk becomes stagnant for whatever reason we you know cracked nipples tight clothes baby not draining well a number of things your anatomy that's our big thing (laughs) um and and the milk becomes stagnant and and as it backs up in the duct at a cellular level what happens is the milk kind of backs up into the breast tissue and then the body sees those inflammatory markers and it starts off that process where you've actually now got inflammation in the breast tissue or on that skin level and that's kind of where that where that begins and because it's now outside of the duct area, it is systemic. So you are going to potentially get things like the fever, chills, joint pain that you wouldn't see otherwise or you would see with an infection. So difficult to, to gauge when it gets yeah. to that point. But that's where it occurs at that cellular and level. Just on that point, so you were saying that, you know, women were coming into your clinic and they were presenting with just blocked ducts. Can you, you know, everyone, all the listeners understand that we're all about myth busting here. So I love a good myth bust. Difference between <laughs> a block duck and mastitis. Go. <laughs> block duck is a blockage in the duct, in the pipe. Think of it like yeah. tree roots. You got tree roots and like if we think of it coming down and we've got like smaller tree roots that go to bigger tree roots that go to bigger tree roots and you end up with about 15 to 20 in the end that come out of six to ten pores of the nipple. So so that's the duct, the tree roots. And then you've got all these little grapes, caviar, let's say. Yeah, let's go Lux, girls. Let's go Lux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of little balls of caviar that come to those tiny, fine-haired mm-hmm. tree roots that then feed in and out to the nipple. So it's in it's in that part of the area that we're getting. It's in these tree roots that we get a blocked duct. The mastitis is outside of the tree roots and outside gotcha. of the caviar. The cells of the caviar, so we have lots of cells that make up the outside of this caviar here. And there's like loads and loads and loads of these things. They're about two millimetres wide. So we have heaps of these tiny little cells called lactocytes. And what happens is as this milk backs up because it can't get through the blockage, 
it seeps out between the walls. It's called permeability. So that seeps out into the tissue. And like Elise said, that's when the body goes, what the hell? Yeah. That's not meant to be there. Goes, <laughs> okay, so so a blocked duct can result in mastitis. Yeah, Absolutely. gotcha. Yeah. But it's not the only reason gotcha. you can get it. Okay, awesome. I think that will be really valuable to the listeners as well because I think a lot of people, as you say, jump the gun unnecessarily and, you know, probably are overdiagnosed with antibiotics and things like that. And that can lead to all nasty shit like antibiotic resistance and what have you. Well, even thrush and things like well, that for yeah. women too, like from that point, point of view, that you can get other issues like yeast issues, yeast infections and things because of the antibiotic use. So there's, and some women are really susceptible to that. Like other people are not and they won't get yeah. it. But if you're in that category, like taking antibiotics can be quite detrimental to, to your breastfeeding and to your own health. So, but if you need them, you need them. Like there's, there are cases yeah. for both. 100%. Yeah, I actually recall now, just as you were saying that around the antibiotics, when I went into my GP, because I went from, I went from, oh, feeling a bit off today. And like, you know, one of my breasts was quite warm. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm just going to see how this goes. And I'm not joking. Within 30 minutes, I was on the floor. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm dying. I, I remember saying that to my husband. I was like, there's something really wrong. I feel like I'm dying. And he was like, okay, get in the car, you know, and, like, off we, well, off we went to the GP. But I'm allergic to penicillin and I recall the doctor saying to me, oh, you're, it says here that you're allergic to penicillin. And I was like, is that a problem? And she said, oh, yeah, the standard thing that we give you is penicillin based so we're gonna have to give you I'm paraphrasing some second rate drug (laughs) and so it might it (laughs) might take longer and I was like woman I am dying here I was like I was like just give me the penicillin I'm like I'm sure the worst thing that could happen is I'll get a rash and like that is like nothing compared to what I'm feeling right now so yeah we rolled the dice on that but I also just recall just like I just had the kid on the boob for like ever and that was the best medicine, the child actually feeding from the breast that, oh, my God, the relief, <laughs> the absolute relief. It was just so good. But, yeah, really, really interesting. Okay, so let's talk about where osteopaths now sit now you're armed with all of that kind of knowledge because there's, there's four osteopaths oh in, in australia this is our wow thing. like we we developed this this is not this is very osteopathic in nature in terms of looking yeah. holistic this this is absolutely osteopathic to the core of the principles of osteopathy. I don't get us wrong. There are definitely people who um, who treat mastitis, use the ultrasound. You know, they might yeah. do some hands-on, but we really did. We really did deep dive into why we know yeah. that, and and yeah, and on the anatomy and and that side of things, because there were tricky cases that yeah, ultrasound didn't work. It's it's a great adjunct. That is what we want to get across. And we get that across in our course for health yep. practitioners also. 
because we do have a course for health practitioners because this is unfortunately what we do is rare globally mm. and it's such a shame because of the feedback we get and the the statistics of early weeding when people are in mm. pain and when they suffer recurrent episodes of this, it has got to be one of the most inconvenient, painful, horrendous conditions for for mothers. And in terms of that, you, you just need yeah. it to stop. And so a lot of people end up weaning to make it stop if they can't find their answers elsewhere. And it's really sad because that's a huge risk for postnatal depression when people lean early. So our thing is how do we teach women to do this for themselves? So, yeah, we have a clinic in Melbourne called the Melbourne Mastitis Clinic and we treat people in person in our clinic rooms. But the globe's bigger than Melbourne and so to have people have an opportunity to do what we do, we've done this for so long. Like it's like it's... It's easy for us to teach women. We know we've treated enough women in clinic and seen what they need as guidance and how we guide them, how we teach them. And then we've been able to transfer that to a video online format so women anywhere can learn this. Mm. And so, okay, so from that perspective, are you sitting in a preventative or a treatment kind of seat as an an osteopath or both? (laughs) All of, yeah, all okay, of D, all of the above. Cool. Because I think, unfortunately, because from both a healthcare point of view and a just a general global point of view, mastitis and, and these things aren't addressed until you're yes. in Yes, yeah. So a lot of the time women are, are here and they're like, oh, I don't even know what this is, what's happening, I'm yeah. dying, like you said, and all this panic because there was not even any awareness about it prior. So, or it's just this thing. Well, I always thought, and I still did, thought it was just like it's kind of like luck of the draw. No. Okay. All right. Let's that, deep dive on yeah, that because. That, that, no, look, you're, you know, 99.99 reoccurring. I've got that dot on the nine. Like that's mm. how many people would think the same thing. And mm. it's just not. And that's where you mix in a manual therapist who we've been working for years, our hands get understand tissue with people that are really nerdy about anatomy, like we love that stuff. And then a person that's had mastitis really badly and struggled enormously, you mix those three things together and like wonderful colleagues, you, you start to create, you create this little thing that, that ends up evolving because we're all like, ah, oh, this, 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 and we start being able to piece together all these things. Unfortunately, what, what we sort of think is that no manual therapist has actually gone as far as what we have in terms of the anatomy, applying that to the tissue, applying that to how tissue feels. Yeah, I think that's a big one, actually putting hands yes. on. Like like I said earlier, there are there are other practitioners who who do treat this, but to the extent of the hands-on stuff and actually feeling the differences between tissues, a lot of the times we even hear when our patients go to the GP, the GP doesn't even look at the breast; they just assume, or from clinical signs, which is fair as well. But there needs to be that 
that hands-on, what does this feel like? There's, I don't know too many people who have a library of knowledge in their hands about what a breast tissue actually feels like across multiple women. And having enough confidence with that to then transfer it to people mm. and empowering them to feel it and describing it mm. and to give them easy silver platter, like here's, here's how plan. you do this. Yeah. Have a feel. Put your hands here. Use that yeah. part of your hand when you're doing this technique, you know, mm. and that's the difference is it's, it's basically video hand-holding <laughs> to go, here's your breast because, unfortunately, breasts for a long time, I think, have been considered an ad- like an yes. appendage. And no one realises how they're connected to the rest of the body. They obviously have to be fed from somewhere. They have to connect to something. And so that creates a scenario where they're actually part of the body mm-hmm. and they're not just milk-making glands, that there's connective tissue. Where's the muscle in the breast? Is there any? Yeah, there is. It's all in your areola and your nipple. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere else. It sits on a, on, a, on a muscular wall, but there's no muscle here, so don't massage it like it is one because mm-hmm. you'll make yourself sore and you'll make yourself like you'll not understand why everything's gotten more sore. So the, the world of breasts is really like it's fantastic because there's a lot of people really um, passionate about it, but they're passionate about the milk supply. I, I agree. And I just when you were talking about that, you know, having the empowerment as a woman to understand what your own breast tissue feels like, I see that a lot. I work quite closely with some lactation consultants and when I meet a family for the first time, typically in a prenatal session, I always recommend, you know, becoming, particularly with first-time mummers, becoming very familiar with your own breasts because I, so many times uh, we kind of get to that point where baby comes to the breast and you're just like, this is so foreign. I just don't even, like I'm just used to putting these girls away, you know, and and like that's it. It's like, oh, wow, shit, these things have like a physiological function. Now what am I supposed to do? And I work quite closely with Sarah at Mama in Kensington here and she has a great kind of philosophy with hers, you know, encouraging some antenatal expressing and things like that. It's obviously great to get some colostrum, but I think the main message is, Start understanding what your own boobs feel like because you guys are going to get real up close and personal once bubs arrives. And so I think that's a really good message that you guys are sending as well, having the ability to empower women and say, here is this course and here we are going to show you exactly what to do, how to hold your breast, how to do this. So many times, and I'm really glad you pointed this out, Katie, so many times people are like told massage your breast to get the block ducked out. And I'm just like, it hurts. <laughs> Don't tell me to do it under a hot, hot running shower. It hurts. Okay. All right. So, so, okay. If we're not to be massaging our breasts as if it was like a remedial massage therapy session, what a, what a, what, like, I, I, I completely understand that you know that you guys have got the courses out there, but what are your what are your top 
two tips for mamas that you would kind of have that you see people come into your clinic and you're just like, goodness sakes, please stop doing that. Go, (laughs) (laughs) Elise. Five to 10% pressure only. Like think of it like skimming water. You'll and you when you're doing it, it's like you're like this is doing nothing. No, it's doing a lot. It's doing like we said, it's not muscle. You're doing heaps, and and I think the the real trick it comes down to being persistent and being consistent with it. It's not going to go away in one hit. You need to work at it, and I, I think that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest turnaround we see in women. They're like, oh, okay, I need a couple of days of this, or I need a twenty four hours of yeah. this. It's not. I'm not going to be fixed in one hit. It's a mindset and, and, change. Yeah, we and, use, sorry, we use a rule of like four okay. times a day. And do you recommend like if say say someone came to you and they said I've got a block duct, I want to knock this on the head before it turns into mastitis. What's your off the cuff recommendation? Is it jump in the shower and just do some gentle five to ten percent massage? Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. It's it's like because the shower water, it'll help with like a bit of vibration on the on the on the wall. And also, if you think of a blocked duct, quite often, like if you think of how fatty milk can be, if that gets all congealed inside, think of it like oil or butter that you're melting with the warm water. So warmth is a really good thing as long as you don't make it so hot that you burn yourself. Safety but, message, listeners. Like it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's a really useful thing. So showers are often a really good time. Even like you see heaps of women report that when they get in the bath and they just sit there and let their breast soak in the bath because it's just going to seep, that heat will Mm -hmm. seep in. And then gently coax this thing. Coaxing is a really good good word. word, Don't be a dictator. Be a teammate. Oh, I like that. All right. Is that going to make the sound like? (laughs) Ooh, girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Just on that point, you were saying that have you seen, we're going to talk about reels, have you seen that reel where, I don't know who it is, some some woman fills up her haka with salted water and, and that's her treatment. I don't know if it's blocked ducts or mastitis. It's usually what, sorry? Blebs, Blebs and, and blocked ducts. ducts. Okay, so back up. A What's a bleb? Form. Talk to me. Bleb is a blocked duct at the surface of the nipple. So you can have, and it comes sometimes from like women having nipple trauma. So as the body heals, it can form a a thin skin over the top of the hole that's meant to spray. And so you now have a damn wall covering the hole. So all the milk is going to back up behind it. And so it's a milk blister. You might have heard of a milk blister. The white dot. So bleb. Or or um, or typically also from a pressure point. So it's like a pressure sore yeah. that's become like baby might have yeah. So yeah, that, so it typically comes with a block duct behind it. Because yeah, the milk right. can't come out. Yeah. So it's the same thing as a block duct. It's just one's at the surface of the nipple and one is within the duct system inside and the how- breast. How would someone know if they had a blocked duct? Because I'm what I'm hearing is that obviously mastitis is at the end of like that's the blocked duct plus it's seeping into the tissue. Then you've got in all those inflammatory kind of you know symptoms. What what would a woman be feeling for to notice whether she has a blocked duct or not? Uh, typically, a lump. 
you'll have a, you'll have a lump with a block duct and it sometimes feels quite squishy but a lot of the times it feels quite firm um and it doesn't clear with with a feed or an expressive yeah like the rest of the breast will become supple but you're mm-hmm. left with like, like a wedge shape of like a, a solid sort of, yeah. of mass that's mm-hmm. and which is it can be quite tender to touch but typically doesn't have the redness and yet the inflammation around in the tissue. But it can it. have pink, mm. so a pale pink hue on the tissue, mm. on the um, outside, on the skin. And you can actually get a really mild fever with it. Mastitis gives you wacker fevers. Yeah. Blocked ducts can give wacker you a mild fevers. fever. I'm loving this. This is great. We've got our own lingo here. We've got caviar. We've got wacker fevers. We're just knocking them all off the list. It's like we're going to play podcast bingo in a minute. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I I think it's not it's not necessarily a, a question, but rather a comment. I was reading, doing well whilst I was doing some research. I was reading some of your blog articles, and Katie, I just wanted to. I just wanted to give like a virtual high five to you for writing the blog article about the nipple shield because I I have been I've been cut it. I bawled my eyes out writing that. It my doesn't surprise me. To where I was, and he said, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "I'm just recalling my nipple shield experience." Oh, he yeah, goes, "Oh yeah." yeah. So. I didn't tell Elise the next day. I'm like, oh, my God. The For all those playing at home, I will definitely um, link it on the show notes. It's it's a great it's a great blog post and I feel like it needs more airtime. For those who've listened to my birth story on episode three, you would have heard in-depth detail around the difficulty I had with breastfeeding in the first 48 hours and then – a lovely midwife came along and decided that it wasn't appropriate to have my child um, in like some sort of contortion position to try and feed her and rather just said, hello, dear, would you like to try a nipple shield? And I said, what is that? And then she showed me how to use it, which literally takes all of two seconds, and whack-a-doo, yeah, she... <laughs> My child fed <laughs> and she yeah. slept. What a stress relief. What I know. a stress relief. Unlike you, though, I actually continued with the nipple shield for the entire 15 months that I fed because probably for two reasons. One, I was so fearful of letting it go because I thought, like, I was just so stressed for those first 48 hours. It like the anxiety every time she would stir, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to have to try and get her to latch again and oh, my God. And I was just like, you know what, this is working for all of us. I did not have a single like cracked nipple because the milk was pooling within the nipple shield the whole time. But I know that they get a bad rap and I just wanted to congratulate you for having the – I, I don't want to say courage because that's bullshit. You should be able to, you know, say whatever you want. But I'm going to say it, courage to get it out there and give it some airtime because there are so many women out there who are struggling, who think that, you know, oh, a nipple shield is, 
you know, I'm less than if I have to use a nipple shield. And I just wanted to emphasize that you are not. And like every mummer on this planet, you just do what you need to do to make it work. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make everyone aware of that beautiful blog post that, that you did. All right. In the interest of time, pardon? Many trees were harmed in making those tissues. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it was just so funny because as soon as because I, I remember one of the, the another midwife on on shift, she had written a note in my file saying, um, "I don't think Renee's milk has come in. You need to watch her closely." They thought I was like defective or something, and then mate, it was like Niagara Falls. Once that nipple shield was on, I had a massive oversupply. And I think I could have fed quadruplets. So, can I just know something about that? Because this is another problem: is that women have a baby and they think that they get mm. the milk. This is another. This is where this is where your two jugs and where our nerdism comes into it. Because you start being able to make sense of many things, and it's not something that we can just make sense of. This stuff is actually basic physiological process, and. Milk is meant to take time to come in. There is physiological basis for it to let the baby get the colostrum, to let the baby practice feeding at the breast, to let the mum recover from birth. And you need the hormone progesterone to drop before the prolactin hormone, which is your milk-making hormone, actually gets to shine. So we need this this level to drop and one to actually stay at the same it doesn't actually get much higher that needs to drop over here so this guy gets to make milk it's it needs to be known though that if you have any trauma through your birth whether it's a caesar episiotomy forceps anything that you go even if you had a, a a, a on paper perfect birth but your mind was really traumatized you're going to take time to heal and your milk will take more time to come in and you're not failing you just need to give the process time and you need to breathe and everyone says oh you know just relax and there, there, there is something to do with that we do need support at the start and women need time to heal from things so that their body which is super clever allows them to heal to then make this enormous job of breast breast milk like so that it can actually happen because mm -hmm. your body's not stupid it says you need to recover before you make nutritional like milk for a baby otherwise you're useless anyway if you're sick and it won't do it anyway you need time all right we are going to wrap up with our rapid fire which i love Okay, here we go. <laughs> Are you nervous? <laughs> Elise, it's okay. It's not Eddie Maguire in the hot seat. It's all right. <laughs> you will not be pen you will not be penalized. It's okay. Hey, I'm the one buying the house, girls. <laughs> I need all the money I can get. Um, here we go. What is your favorite breastfeeding product? Breast milk. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give you extra points for that. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Or um. Oh, yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be. It's not something you'll buy. No, I love us. it. Sorry. <laughs> What's your number one tip for first-time mamas who want to breastfeed? 
So we know how your breasts feel prior to breastfeeding so you know when there's a problem when you start. And so you can have a, it's all about the library. Everyone thinks that we are, you know, yeah, okay, we're professionals. We use our hands all day. But, but you know you. You know you better than we will. Love it. Yeah. What is the craziest booby-related myth that you've ever heard? What has someone come in or you've heard or you've seen like a reel or something on Instagram? You're just like, what is that? No, I don't watch too many reels. Yeah, oh, I good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want it in my head. I and don't want the, the music that goes with them as well. Sometimes I've I don't know what this thing is at the moment. Everyone's doing this like clap thing. And like the oh. mashed potato or hot potato thing. Oh, oh, yeah. I, was... I told you, I, I'm, you will not catch me dead dancing me on either. a reel. I can't. I, I don't dance in public. Oh, like that. She, she doesn't mind. She doesn't mind a little bit, but I'm like, I'm not dancing. It's not happening. I'll get it there one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the craziest thing. Yeah. Um, or what's something that like a Maybe um, maybe it's just gen- like probably not the craziest thing, but the complete like stopping breastfeeding yeah. if you have mastitis. Yeah, yeah don't, there's a don't real problem one. with that. Any blockers yeah. or weaning. If you want to wean, that's, that's all good, but make sure you don't do it if you're unhealthy yeah. at the gotcha. time. Yep. If you weren't an osteopath, what would have been your alternative career? Didn't you want to be a lawyer? <laughs> uh, I had this like um, thing when I was younger that I wanted to be an honourable doctor. Like, you know, I think like, I think like, was it one of our prime ministers was, it was like, I think it was like Malcolm Turnbull and he was like a, he, I think he was a law, lawyer and a, a doctor or something. Anyway, and I was like, yeah, well, we are, APRA give us the doctor title. So I'm halfway there. So if I become a lawyer then, and then become a barrister, then I'd be an honourable doctor, right? I love it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so there's still time. I don't know. I felt, I don't know. I've got no idea. I, I liked things like radiography okay. when I was younger. And I looked into chiropractic yeah. when I was younger. Um, yeah, that's, but so you no, nothing, yeah, it, it was always okay. health industry. Love it. I wanted to be a drummer, but that's just me. Okay, Katie, this one's going to be for you. What's your favourite mum hack? Neglect is better than homicide. <laughs> That is the best mum hack I have heard. Oh, oh my God. I love it. That's going to be the um, smoothie dump bag any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Okay, and our final question, which we ask all of our guests, what is on your bedside table? I have two books. I've got Mastery, which Katie gifted me, and another one on um, neuroscience, which I haven't started reading. Don't ask me about it. Um, <laughs> as well as your basic boring stuff like lamps Lip and uh, my ear, my AirPods and my phone generally. <laughs> yeah, I'm about the same. A glass of water, lip balm. And I love books. it. I love it. Awesome. That is amazing, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, your programs, which I said off air, were just dynamite names. You've got boobiology, boob hero course, and blooming boob. Can you just give us a snapshot? What are each of these courses? Who is your target audience for them? And how can people get involved in them? Mm-hmm. 
Boobology is for the breastfeeding or pumping mum. That one has our all our techniques that we teach our clients in, in clinic when it comes to massaging, mastitis, block ducts. Including prevention. Prevention. So, posture as well we have in Yeah, there. we put postural stuff because posture has an impact through the breast and we teach you why. So it's yeah. all background with it. It's not just have do this because we say. Yeah. It's do it because this is how your body Love built. the evidence-based. Yep. Love it. Yeah. And then the Boob Hero course is for health practitioners to learn how we do what we do. We have but, more practitioners out there yeah. to support women. We think this is going to be really important going forward as well. So we've actually just launched a couple of weeks ago. This, one. this one's a huge course, huge. So, yeah, that's for the healthcare practitioner, physios, chiros, osteos, any manual therapists, yeah. GPs, if you want to, if you're on board with that sort yeah. of stuff, lactation consultants. And then the Blooming Boob was our realisation that pregnant women have very little education in their breasts. So it's it's literally teaching women how to assess your own breast. The three big problems with breastfeeding conditions, mainly mastitis, blocked ducts and engorgement. Which we call up. Yeah, just a heads up on what they are, how they occur, what symptoms to look out for. Especially the um, physiological engorgement that often occurs in the first few days postpartum because that can be quite everyone thinks that's milk when in actual fact it's heaps of other fluids and mm. so there's different ways to treat that and also how to get your physical breast into a good condition for breastfeeding when you start so that hopefully you avoid all this crap that everyone keeps talking about so if, yeah if you can understand what it feels like and how to treat it now you can set yourself up physically to hopefully not get stuff that we all yeah we love a good prevention rather than treatment but you know if you have to go down that treatment yeah. pathway then be armed with the, yeah. the good stuff the factual stuff not this rubbish that you see um on the reels <laughs> And Bubology does that. Bubology does that quite a lot. We get that on our post course survey type things because people are sometimes buying it are recurrent mastitis sufferers and they buy it when they don't have a bout of mastitis because they're just so sick of it. But so we're able to teach them that side of it in in for anyone, which is That's awesome. Perfect. So and so yeah. your clinic is in Melbourne. What suburb are you girls in so people can reach out to you? Yeah, so we're in Baldwin North. So, yeah, we're, we're Burundara Osteopathy, so Burundara is the municipality area and the Melbourne Mastitis Clinic is just part of part of that group. So, yeah, it's, it's just trying to give a name and give people a place where they can feel that they can come rather than trying to search for somebody who might do something a little yeah. bit like. Yeah, yeah. Maybe treat that stuff or maybe just has, you know, I'll yeah. just give it a yeah. go. Oh, I know how to yeah. use an ultrasound have- machine. Sure. I'm- yeah, and that, that happens, unfortunately, and we see a few cases after just having ultrasound because things don't often, sometimes it does get better. That person has one case of mastitis and it all goes away and then you have people with lumps. Post-mastitis, the lump doesn't go away or they can't seem to get the breast milk to, to come back to where it was, which happens, but, yeah, can we do something different? Okay, perfect. Yeah. And your website for your big plug at the end, how, where can we find you on your website and your Instagram? Well, you'll find us at www.yourtwojugs.com. The two (laughs) is the word two, not the number Good clarification. I love it. Well, thank you. On Instagram. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, girls, for joining me today. I have learned a wealth of knowledge. Not that I'm having another child. We are one and done. But um, I, uh, yeah, that 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 stuff would have been super helpful previously because, yeah, I just wasn't aware. I was just like, yep. I got this, you know, this is totally cool. And then I was like, I don't got this at all. Particularly with the bout of mastitis. I was just, oh my God, that, yeah, I, that floored me pretty quickly. So thank you so much for all of that information. And you girls have a beautiful day. Good luck. Yeah, thank you so much. Good luck down. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. If you loved this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services including our postpartum in-home care and our fill your freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.